Hi, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. This week, we are closing out our series on the Gospel of John that we have called That You May Believe. If you would like to find the rest of this series, you may do so at ccgf.org sermons. You can also find these teachings, as well as all of our teachings over Holy Week, on our website and on our app, which is available on iOS and Android devices. In this closing message of our series, our senior pastor, the Reverend Dr. Jared Ott, will be preaching on the reinstatement of Peter by Jesus. Here he is with that message. Thank you for listening. Good morning, Christ Church. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for today. Thank you for Pine Valley Choir and those kids that you can speak to us through children this morning. Lord, I ask that uh, you speak to us now as well through your word. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the fact that when it comes to Peter, that you gave him a second chance. Lord, I pray that you be with us this morning as some of us are wrestling with some stuff in our own past. That you help us remember that you give us a second chance as well. Lord, thank you for not leaving him hanging, not leaving us hanging, that you love us so much that you came back, you died for us, so that we can have a relationship with you. Lord, thank you. So I pray that you speak through me now. I pray that my lips are your lips, my heart is your heart, and that you impress upon us the message you want us to hear. Now, we won't just leave here hearers of the word, but we'll leave here doers of it as well. And I ask all this in your name. Amen. Well, you know, if you've been with us the past uh, few weeks, uh, we, you know that we're actually past, past couple months. <laughs> We've been in this series called That You May Believe. And in fact, today is the last of this uh, series, the Gospel of John. We've been going through this for months. And last week was great. If you're here with us for Easter, we were able to, to look at the, the resurrection, Mary being at the tomb, and uh, what that looked like, and the fact that we could celebrate here Easter. And you would think that maybe we would have ended the series there, that, you know, the resurrection, that's it. But there's one more chapter. And thank God there's one more chapter. Because it's about Peter and the Lord coming and speaking to Peter. We just read it here this morning. What happened, the restoration of Peter. Now, you've got to understand, the passage we just read, hopefully you have your Bibles there, your service sheets, John 21. Jesus is restoring Peter because Peter denied Christ three times. If you, we didn't really touch on this in this series, but Jesus told Peter he's going to deny him three times. Peter was one of the disciples. And he said, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me. And Peter was there at the, uh, at the Caiaphas's house, in fact. And Peter, three people came up to Peter and said, hey, do you know Jesus? Don't you know Jesus? Aren't you with Jesus? And Peter said three times, I do not know him. I don't know him. And in fact, if you uh, ever have a chance to go to Jerusalem, there's still a statue there. I, I think I shared this a uh, few years ago, but statue there of uh, right there at Caiaphas's house, right there in Jerusalem. Big marble statue. You see Peter there sitting on the edge, and there's three people that are talking to him. There was a centurion, there was a, there was a woman, and there was a young girl. Okay? And they're all sitting there, and there's the rooster up top. And at the bottom, it's real hard to see, but on the bottom of that, uh, that marble statue, you'll see the Latin words, it says, non novi alum, which means I do not know him. And I remember being there uh, in Jerusalem two years ago and taking pictures of that statue. And uh, you know how you do, you, you take a picture, you know, I'm sitting, I sit down and I put my arm next to Peter, you know, give him one of these. And uh, the whole group was there doing that, it was fun. You know, it's like, oh, it's a statue of Peter. I'll take a picture with it. 
And then I realized, how horrible is that? Think about that a second. I want you to think about that a second. Think about the guy who made this statue going, man, we got to make a statue of something. What should we do? I know. Let's make it of the biggest screw-up of all time. Right here. Big marble statue. Peter's denial. Great idea. Everybody's like, yeah, let's do it. And then we'll put a rooster up there and say, I do not know him. And then all the tourists will come by and give him one of these. Think about that a second. Think about that statue. What would that be like if every place we ever may have screwed up or made some bad decisions, they made a statue for it? Some of you are going, eh, they don't have enough money for that, or there's not enough marble in the world to make a statue like that. Every place you've ever been. Here lies little Timmy, who lied to his parents. This is when Erica cheated on her test. See the statue of a little guy eating chocolate. So this is where Johnny stole that candy bar. All the bad things. We joke about that. But what if they were real serious things? Here's where Becky tried drugs for the first time. Or here's where Tom drank for the very first time. Here's where Chris became obsessed with his job that he lost his family. Here's where John and Jane fought over money, which led to the divorce. Here's where Bill got hooked on pornography. Here's where Amy started texting a married man, which led to the affair. What would that be like to have statue after statue after statue around the world of every place that we've done wrong? Pretty bad. I wonder if Peter in heaven is like, "Uh, Lord, would you make a new heaven and new earth? Could 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 you wipe out the statue for all to remember? You know, I, after I left and felt, I thought, man, that's, a, that's horrible. I actually thought, you know, maybe that statue is more about the restoration of Peter. Maybe it's more about how Jesus came and restored him and gave him a second chance. Maybe that's the reminder. You know, we give Peter a hard time. We go, man, how could you do that, Peter? Jesus was there. You had your chance. It was the pinnacle of his ministry. He's dying. And people asked you if you knew him. It was your chance to say, yes, I'm with him. I'm his follower. I'm his disciple. I love him. I know he's going to go to the cross for me. And you didn't do it. We'd say, we would do that. We would have done that if we were you, Peter. Good for you, statue. I'll take a picture with it. How many of us do that, though? We're in workplaces where the, the Jesus comes up or some spiritual aspect comes up and we go, you know, I'm just not going to touch on that. I don't want anybody to know that I really love Jesus. I don't want anybody to know that I'm really following after him. How many of us do that in schools? Say, I'm not going to mention that my church. I'm not going to mention the things that I'm involved with. I'm not going to mention how great service was on Sunday. I'm not going to say anything. Because we're fearful. People will acquaint us with Jesus. We live in a world like that, don't we? We live in a world like that. You know, Peter was there. He was loyal, but from a distance, wasn't he? Enough to be seen. But you have to understand, when I look at this, and the more and more I look at this, I realize it's not about Peter. This narrative, has, it's not about Peter. Your life, it's not about you. It's all about Jesus. I know this because of what it says in Luke 22. 
Somebody came up to Peter and said, do you know him? And Peter replied right here, says, man, I do not know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. They locked eyes. Just like the Lord's looking at you this morning. He knows exactly what you're into. He knows exactly what you did last night. He knows exactly the thoughts that you're having right now. He knows those things. He's looking straight at you. And a lot of us feel like this, this overwhelming sense of guilt. The Lord knows. The Lord knows. He does know. But you know what Peter saw? He didn't see condemnation. He didn't see guilt. He saw love. That's what he saw. So then Peter remembered the words the Lord spoke to him. It says, before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. So they cross eyes. They look at each other. And he says, he sees the love for the very first time. How do we know that Peter got his second chance? How do we know this? Because of what happened at the tomb. You know, I've read this a number of times. And it just kind of hit me about a year or so ago. You know, when Mary goes to the tomb and the angels are there and they... He said, go tell the disciples. There's an interesting little, little uh, phrase in Mark 16, verse 7. It says, but go tell his disciples and Peter that he's going ahead of you. Go tell his disciples and Peter. Not just go tell his disciples. Peter was a disciple. Why add Peter into the mix? Why do you have to name Peter by name? You know, it's like all of heaven saw Peter screw up, but they wanted to make sure, hey, let Peter know. Jesus is back. Let him know he's got a second chance. Peter was, it was like baseball. He's bottom of the ninth, base is loaded. He's up to bat. He struck out. And the Lord said, hey, let Peter know. Don't don't let him hang his head too low. Let him know he gets to bat again. And I'm going to use him more mightily than ever before. Let him know, don't let the guilt Get at him. Don't let the guilt of making some bad decisions in life, don't let him get him down. Let him know I'm here. Let Peter know, specifically. Let Peter know. Peter know. You know, a lot of us walk around with guilt in our own lives because of what we've done. We think, you know what? There's never, no way God could ever use me. No way he could use me in ministry. There's no way I could ever work um, in ministry or use my gifts or serve on the worship team or in children's ministry. I could never talk to anybody about Jesus. But what if they find out about my past? You know, if that were the case, Pastor Jamie and I and Brad, none of us would be here this morning. You have a decision to make. You really do. You have a decision of all the stuff in your past. You could either let the guilt get at you so bad that it kills you. Or you could say, you know what? I'm going to place it back at the Lord's feet and realize that he's forgiven me. Those are your two options. We see those two options with two different people in the Bible. You know, it said, Peter, when, after he disowned him, he went out and wept bitterly. You know who else did the same thing? Judas. When Judas betrayed Jesus, he went and wept bitterly. The problem was is that Judas's guilt killed him. He couldn't handle it, and so he hung himself. Peter's Pushed him to go back to Jesus. So the question you have this morning is you could say, okay, I'm going to let my guilt eat at me and I'm not going to be used by God. I'm not going to do anything for him. I'm just going to kind of live life. I've already messed up and let it kill you. Or you could be like Peter and say, you know what? The Lord's here for me. That's, he loves me so much. And so we see Peter 
saying, you know what? I'm not going to let that guilt stop me. I'm going to go back to Jesus. And we see that in great encounter the next time he sees Jesus. It's earlier in the passage we just read, John 21, verse 4. It says, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. So he's risen, he's on the shore. The disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your nets on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the nets in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is Lord, he wrapped his outer garments around him, for he had taken them off, and jumped in the water. So there's Peter, so excited to see Jesus, not guilty, not feeling bad about the decision, desperately wanting to go see him. He doesn't even wait for the boat to get to shore. He just jumps in the water. Two options. You can let your guilt kill you. Or you can realize Jesus looks at you, loves you, and gives you a second chance. For Peter, he realized that. Peter realized it. You know, we all look at consequences of our sin. We can look at consequences of the drugs or the drinking or the affairs. We can look at consequences of it. But it's until you surrender it to Jesus, give it back to him, say, Lord, I understand that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I ask you forgive me. It doesn't matter. You can look at the consequences all day. A lot of people recognize the consequences of their sin. A lot of people come to church and go, yeah, my sin has consequences. But until you surrender them to Jesus, you're going to walk around with guilt for the rest of your life. And it'll kill you. But how wonderful it is that we have chapter 21 in the Gospel of John. Because if if Jesus never restored Peter, we'd always be left wondering, whatever happened with that? He made some bad decisions in life. He didn't make the best choices there. Whatever happened to that? We know from this one that Jesus restores him. He looks at him, loves him, and restores him. So powerful. And then he gives him some instructions on how to live out his faith. Now that he believes in who Jesus was, that he's committed to him, what does that look like? And that's our application for this morning. First off, we realize that committed Christians love Jesus more than anything else. You know, it says in John 21, 15, on your service sheets there in your Bible, it says, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? So he says, do you love me more than these? Peter's a fisherman. That's his livelihood. He's saying, hey, do you love me more than anything else in the world? Do you love me more than this? He says, yes. Lord, I know that I love you. He said, tend my lambs. He said again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, shepherd my sheep. Then he said a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, tend my sheep. So there's Peter. After he gets, says after breakfast, after he changes his clothes because he's soaking wet. He's sitting there with Jesus. And Jesus calls him, I love it when it says there. He uh, He says to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John. He uses his formal name. How many of you know that when your mother wasn't happy with you, she would call you by your formal name? Your first, middle, and last name. Some of you are shaking your head like, my mom just said that to me this morning. I know. The other day I was sitting with my son and I heard my wife, Deb, say, Caden Josiah Ott. And I looked at him and I said, you you are in trouble. I'm out. But he he looks at Peter and this is where it comes. Understand that Jesus gave Simon 
Peter, the nickname Peter. So now Jesus goes back to using him by his former name because he was acting like his former self. He says, Simon, Simon, son of John, do you know that you love me? Now you've got to understand there's, there's three questions here. There's three denials. What you have to understand too is that we can't see in the English, but in the Greek, there's two different forms of love here. Jesus is saying, Simon, do you love me? And he used the word agapo love in Greek. That's the, the deepest form of love. The, the love that, it's like sacrificial. It's the, the highest commitment of anything. I think of it like a parent with a child. It's agape love. You will do anything for your child. You are fully committed to them. So Jesus says to Simon, he says, do you love me? Agapo love. And Peter responds differently. He says, yes, Lord, I love you. But he used the word phileo love, which is more of the affectionate love, the friendly love. Kind of the, yeah, you're my, you're my friend type love. So then, so then Jesus goes again. He says it the same way. He says, do you love me a second time? Agapo love. Peter, in his guilt, says, no, phileo love. Almost like, hey, listen, I already screwed it up. I guess I can't say that agapo love. I'm not fully convinced you, I guess, because I, never, I, couldn't, I couldn't claim you at the highest point of your ministry. And then Jesus says a third time to him. This time he actually uses the word phileo love with Peter. The third time. And Peter wept. Peter wept. Because now he's calling into question even the less devotion that Peter ever thought he was safe in claiming. This implication that his life did not support even the level of love that broke Peter's heart. He says, do you love me a third time? And he says, yes, Lord, you know all things, you know that I love you. Jesus asked Peter three questions based on three denials. The restoration was complete. How wonderful is that? How wonderful is that Peter got a second chance? How many of us are longing for second chances in life? We don't get many second chances, do we? We screw up one thing, we lose our job. We screw up another thing, we lose our marriage. Screw up a third thing, we screw up our our family. We screw up our school. We screw up all kinds of things. We don't get many second chances, do we? Peter gets a second chance. Jesus is looking at you this morning, giving you a second chance as well. And what's wonderful is that the restoration was complete. Peter, for the rest of his life, moved forward in proclaiming the gospel. In fact, Peter was the one who kind of started the church. He was the rock. So he was used mightily. On one of the biggest, maybe, screw-ups of all times, Jesus looks at Peter and loves him. So a committed Christian is willing to, to love God more than anything else. Also, committed Christians are also willing to sacrifice anything for Christ, right? Look at verse 19, or 18. It says, very truly, I tell you, when you're younger, you're dressed yourself. And when you're wearing when you want to, but when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Committed Christians will sacrifice anything for Jesus. Peter did that. He lived his whole life, the rest of his life, following after Jesus. He followed after Jesus. And he ended up sacrificing his own life for that. It says right there, when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands. Someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Peter was crucified upside down. Because he felt so unworthy to be crucified the same way of Christ that he asked to be crucified upside down. And so they led him to a place he didn't want to go. They gird him with pl- things that they, he didn't want to be gird with. And they drew his arms out and on the cross. Jesus knew that. The question for you this morning is, are you willing to sacrifice anything for Jesus? 
Some people say, I I don't know if I could ever sacrifice my life for him. You know what's wonderful is that Jesus is going to use us however we want. And I go through life going, you know what? Jesus is going to use me however he wants. I don't have to fear death. I don't have to be worried about that because I'm living the way he wants me to live. I'm living for him. Committed Christians are willing to sacrifice anything. Finally, committed Christians also focus on following Christ's leading in their own life. This isn't your uh, service sheets, but Jesus goes on to say, Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death Peter would, would be to glorify God. Then he said, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciples whom Jesus loved was following him. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. So what Peter does is he looks at the person that also whom Jesus loved. Now we know that's John. Okay? There are three people in the core of, uh, with Jesus, Peter, James, and John. Peter's not talking about himself. James died really early. So Jesus would not have said, if I want to remain alive until I return, knowing that he was the first person to die. In fact, John was the, the last disciple to die. So John, the gospel writer of John, that's who Jesus, Peter's talking about here. So Peter looks at John and goes, what about John? What about him? Does he have to do that too? Jesus goes, don't worry about John. I've got my own plan for John. I'm more concerned about you. And we do this too. We go through life going, why do I have to sacrifice when somebody else doesn't? Why do I have to be involved in ministry when somebody else can do it? Why do I have to tell them about the love of Jesus when somebody else could? And Jesus is saying to you this morning too, he said, listen, I've got a perfect plan for you. All you need to do is follow me. It's not about the person next to you. It's not about the gifts I've given him. It's not about the plan I have for them. I have a plan for you and you specifically because I love you and I want to use you for my kingdom. I've given you gifts, not the person next to you. I've given you different gifts than they have and I want to use you mightily. All you need to do is follow me. Some people say, I could never lead in worship this morning. No, you couldn't. I could never. I've asked Brad many times if I can sing a solo. He says, no way. I do not have his gifts. There's no way. But guess what? That's okay. I don't need his gifts. I'm happy that God has gifted him to lead in worship and sing. Because that's his path. My path is different. My path is different than your path. You maybe say, well, maybe I can never stand up there and preach. That's okay, too. Maybe you say, I never could have got involved in kids' ministry. The kids just aren't my passion. That's okay. God's given you a gift. God loves you and has a plan for your life. The question is, is are you following him? Are you following him? You know, as we come and prepare for our last song, the last song that we're going to sing here is surprisingly simple, but surprisingly powerful. Do you love him? Do you love Jesus? You know, this series, I hope, has been a blessing to you as it's been a blessing to me. We find out all that Jesus did, all his miracles, all the things that he he did and said, and now we get to the point where he looks at somebody like Peter and says, you know what, I love you despite how much you might have messed up in this life. I still love you. I'm not going to hold it against you. I'm not going to hold the grudge. I'm not going to make you feel guilty. We do that, don't we? That's what we do in our own lives. When somebody wrongs us, we want to make them feel guilty. Jesus doesn't do it. I guess that's what makes him God. And I guess that's why we can say in the series, John 20, 31, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, 
you may have life in his name. Now that we know who Jesus is, and maybe for the first time this series, maybe you came to the point where you realized that Jesus died for you, for me, because he loves us, because we deserve that penalty, and we want to follow after him. So the question is, how do we do that? That's where we're going to turn next. In a few weeks, we're going to start a brand new series. In a few weeks. We're going to look at the book of James. Because James outlines what the Christian life needs to look like. And we're going to call it Walk This Way. Because how do we walk? Now that we know who Jesus is, now we live it out in our own life. I hope you can join us for that throughout this later this spring and summer. But I hope that through this series that you recognize who Jesus is, that He's the God of second chances. And maybe that's you. And maybe you've got some guilt in your own life that's really preventing you and it's really killing you. The question is this morning, is will you lay it at his feet? Lay it at his feet because you love him. Because you're not willing to sacrifice anything. And you're willing to follow him. That's my hope. That's my prayer. Do you love him this morning? I hope you do. Let's pray. God, thanks for today. Thank you for how much you teach us in your work. We thank you. That you didn't leave Peter hanging. You don't leave us hanging either. With all the stuff that we've been through, all the things that we've done, that you, that you come after us, that you restore us as well. Lord, we thank you for also telling us how to live this life, how to follow after you. Lord, I pray that you impress us upon us to do that with boldness and courageousness to do that, Lord. And if there's anything holding us back, any guilt, that we lay it at your feet here right now today. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're going to do here in the life of our church and in our own lives as well. And I ask all this in your name. Amen.